Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Today I have with me Brianna Fitzgerald, the author of The Road to Healing, Healing Methods to Assist You with Living Your Best Life. Thanks for being with me, Brianna. Thank you for having me. I wanted just to ask you some of your input. I'm sort of curious about your thoughts on the pandemic, since that has been the big, certainly one of the big things that most of the world is dealing with in this year, 2020, that we're about to uh, move on from, hopefully. You you talk a lot in your book, your audiobook, about wounds. And I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sort of curious if you think that this moment in time, these kinds of pressures that we've been put under in the with the pandemic of 2020 if you you know what your thoughts on are on whether new wounds you know will be developing specifically related to that do you have any thoughts on that yeah it has been a crazy wild year and as far as new wounds go i'm sure it's been a very huge change a lot of external influences have been put on us way of life has changed. The whole quarantine, we've got news every day of different occurrences, increased COVID cases, more restrictions. So yeah, I would say that it's, you know, it just depends on your mindset, how you want to take it. Um, You can take this time to either, you know, be, let the world take you, or you can just work on healing from your stuff instead of being impacted. And so, I mean, it could go either way. You could really take this time to incorporate some self-care and just reflect on how far you've come or you can you can be impacted by this. It's, it's really, you know, your choice. But it has been rough for everybody. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking about those who, cause, because you talk a lot about childhood wounds, you know, things that, that have happened to us as, you know, when we're, when we're young. And of course, there is a generation that is growing up, you know, that they're the young ones now, right, that are going through this time that feels particularly challenging, I think, for uh, certainly for those of us who are adults in this, uh, mm-hmm. in this world. So just an interesting moment, perhaps, in our own road to healing to consider as well that next generation is coming in and what can we do to help them, you know, for example, with the, uh, the projections that you talk about in your, in your audio book. Do you want to speak to any of that? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, yeah, this, this generation coming up is definitely a unique generation. The kids are homeschooled, being homeschooled. They're staying at home more. You know, parents and caregivers have a role to fulfill, to be there more present for their, their kids. And so I think that the best way to keep them to live a healthy and thriving life is to really work on our 
stuff on our trauma and our wounds and just be aware of what we say to our children, be patient in how we handle it. I talk about circle of security in my book. So giving them that space to to really explore and then just meeting their needs as needed and really comforting them and and just being attentive and patient with them will definitely help them to thrive in the future, uh, especially with what's going on now in today's world. That is great. I want to circle back to that uh, circle of security in a bit. There's something I th- feel like is uh, is closely related to this, and you you bring this up in a, in another section in your book, and that is about social media. You mentioned the news, you know, and so many people are gathering news from social media. Mm-hmm. As you've pointed out in your book, and as well as the the film that was released not that long ago, Social Dilemma, we're in a, it, it's a challenging thing because I think that in many ways, social media is helping us to stay connected, that it does have mm-hmm. some, you know, some really positive value, especially in this time when we're being forced to be physically separate. You know, we're we're seeking out those ways to uh, to connect. And so much of that now, obviously, is virtual, but it comes with a risk. So, right. You know, what are some of your advice around that? Yeah, I do mention some things about social media and how you can end up with that compare and despair syndrome or not feeling good enough or feeling like, you know, you're surrounded by media of uh, perfection or even um, now, I mean, depending on what the media is, you're seeing things that are completely and totally negative. So as you said, there are pros and cons to social media where it does keep us closer together. But at the same time, it can be overwhelming to feel like, you know, you're not enough or you're doing something wrong or you're not following this rule or that rule. So really, just the best thing that you can do is just remember that it's not, it's all virtual, it's not real, and to kind of get some distance away from it if it gets too overbearing or it's just impacting you way too much, um, just kind of take a break and know like that social media isn't always real. It's not real. There's people who they make it look like everything is perfect, which it's not. So I really like to see a lot of... Um, I know that it is increasing like on Instagram to be more real and authentic. And I really like that idea because it's more of, well, you're not alone in this or I'm going through this too. So yeah, it's just really, it depends on how you look at it and how you utilize social media and how it can be used. But there's definitely perks to it for to, to keep us connected and together. There's support groups online. There's just so much out there that's beneficial to us at the same time. I think it's just like we got to be careful and aware of how much we're exposed to and what uh, type of media we're influenced by. You talk about this question of, you know, or the, the fact that everything on social media is not real. It makes me it sort of pulls me back to that conversation you have in the book about projections, you know, that we live in a world of projections. And some of those we are putting on each other, some of those we're putting on ourselves. And that social media, I think, also is a player in that whole issue of projection and how do we feel about ourselves. And I know this has been, it's been a really big issue that's come up as, especially for young girls. And Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I'm not sure if it's 
gender dominated by girls or if it's just that sort of preteen age when young people are really just starting to get a handle from a cognitive perspective, really just starting to get a handle on what is reality. And this social media influence can be very tricky in this time. Mm-hmm. Do you have any particular, you know, recommendations that you would give either for the parents of those those younger folks or uh, or even for young people themselves or for, <laughs> frankly, for adults, you know, who easily it, it's easy to get pulled in and not be able to easily discern what's real, what's not. Right. And I think that for, you know, the kids who are growing up in all this technology and all this social media and all this impact, I think it's it's important to talk to them, you know, answer questions that they have or if they've seen something and really monitor what they watch because you you don't really know how impacted they are on a daily basis um, and just kind of regulate that. And then for the adults, because it impact, it impacts everybody you know, we're, we're influenced to be perfect and pretty and dress a certain way, or we're influenced to have to act a certain way, especially as even as males. I mean, they have this, like they're imposed to have to act like the masculine and not have show any emotions or, you know, it's sexualized women, things like that. It, it can get out of hand, but for adults, yeah, I mean, I think it's just important to surround yourself and try to surround yourself with po- more positive media. That's what I try to do. I keep my Facebook very positive. I try to post a lot of positive and inspirational quotes because it really changes the influence and the energy that you're you're putting on into the universe and what's coming back to you and getting surrounded by that. So I think that as an adult, um, it's your responsibility, you know, to really dictate what it is that you want on your your news feed or your social media or or whether you want to read that article or not or and I I that's kind of how I go about it and that's what I recommend but yeah definitely with the kids monitoring what they what they're influenced by and just asking them questions you know being curious because sometimes we as adults get so busy and we're negligent to that and um I have kiddos myself so uh the best I could do is, you know, monitor their stuff, check my emails and see what they're looking on in their phone, um, just to make sure it's nothing outrageous. And then, you know, if I do happen to catch something, just communicating with them about it instead of shaming them, because I mean, we're exposed to different things each and every day. And sometimes we can't control everything. We can't entirely control what our kids, you know, can't get on or don't get on. But um, just to, to do our best, to really monitor and just communicate and talk to them about uh, reality and virtuality, I think would definitely help with um, the handling of social media for sure. Yeah. I like what you said about, about having the conversation. Cause I think that it brings uh, it sort of in a sense allows us to kind of check with community in a way it human, you know, like with another person that we trust, Right. So even mm-hmm. as adults, you know, if we see something that we find disturbing, having a discussion with somebody and maybe not with the assumption that it's true, but really that questioning. Oh, yeah. I love what you said about that. Yeah, communication is communication is so important. And I mean, 
it, it strengthens relationships. It resolves a lot of issues. I mean, going to school as a therapist and working with people who have issues with relationships, it's just been one of my biggest lessons. And also my hurdles, you know, because it's not easy. It's not so easy to talk about sensitive or touchy topics at times, but it's so necessary to shed light to a lot of the issues that are happening in the world or that even happened in our past that still bother us today. That's how we grow is through communication. Right. Yeah. So I want to I want to circle back to I, I used the word circle when it's actually you what you said, you know, the <laughs> circle of security. I want to come back to that because I I think that there's something really, really powerful in that. It feels to me like there's, you know, we seek some kind of balance point, you know, between change and between this feeling of safety. And, and that's where it feels like there is th- this this idea of circle of security really, really mm-hmm. comes into play. We know, you know, the uh, there's the famous quote by Heraclides, you know, change is the only constant. And we may know that, but we still find ourselves, I think, challenged with change. And yet right. here we are in 2020 where we've had so much change. We've really been shaken up, I think. And in many ways, that's one of the people have found so particularly challenging about this time is that our routines, the things that we typically are allowed to do or can do safely, now are, we're not, you know, that those mm-hmm. have, have have shaken us up a bit. So we're, we're living with more, I think, the, the idea, the reality, actually, of impermanence is a little more present in our lives than it maybe has been. Right. Uh, what do you see as that kind of that ideal balance point between living with change, accepting that, and still having like this feeling of being safe. Yeah. And like, so I took an eight-week training on Circle of Security and I found it very interesting. And so basically, just to elaborate on it, what it is, is, and I think this applies to, I mean, I learned about it with children and how they're influenced by it, but also adults. I see it within myself. And I see, so basically what it is, is the kids, they want to go off and kind of be a little liberated and explore their world. And then they want to have a foundation to come back to. So like, say they hurt themselves and they go to get comforted by their mom or their dad, who's like sitting there, you know, waiting for them to return or just to check in. So it's really like filling your love tank. Um, And adults do it too. I mean, I do it too. And so my, I would say my base or my secure base would be like my mom. After work, I go to my mom's house and that's where I feel safe and loved and I can talk to her about anything. So um, that being said, with the world and how it's, it's gone, they're still like, okay, so you need a therapy appointment. Maybe you need that, just that somebody to hold that space for you. And you can do that over the phone for an hour, just getting creative with it. Because even if, you know, somebody's not there to, to really like hold, be your rock, you can still communicate through, as we had discussed earlier, like social media or Zoom or anything like that, especially if we don't have somebody or we're being quarantined away from that person. So just video chatting for now and just knowing that it's only temporary. But yeah, human beings definitely need that warmth and that closeness. Um, so it's it's interesting that it's gotten taken away from us uh, by by so many people in this day and age. We take it, we took it for granted in the past. Um, so just not having that and knowing that 
you know, we, we need it. And it's, it's still there. It's just not there there. Um, but we still have access to it. And it's, it all depends on the person. But uh, my biggest advice is just to, you know, either if it's the people you're quarantining with, just keep them close and just hold, like be somebody's rock and, and try to find somebody because we all need that support. We all need that, that familiarity and that love to, to go back to that's familiar to us, especially when we're going through so much change. So yeah, my advice would definitely be to utilize that circle of security the best way you can. There's always those opportunities. Um, as I said, even if it's just calling a friend and um, you know, telling, reaching out to a friend and saying, you know, I'm having a really bad day, that is applying social security right there as social security circle of security, (laughs) (laughs) circle of security right there in your adult life. So you don't necessarily have to have those hands there to catch you, but you can, you know, make a phone call or send a messenger. And that way you, you have somebody to reach out to and just kind of vent to, or have that person to hold that support and space for you. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. What you said about the being a rock for someone else. You know, I think that many of us have heard or or just intuitively know that sometimes when we're in our own pain or struggle, being a rock for someone else is it can be really helpful in pulling us out of our own kind of mire, right? Our own swamp, uh, mm-hmm. emotional swamp, right? So that's interesting. I know that in the audiobook you have a lot of really very practical suggestions for ways we can help ourselves. And yet I know that we often need some external help, just like you were saying in terms of being a rock for someone else. But that, you know, that's not always readily available or maybe, you know, the people that we wish were our rocks in the moment just aren't emotionally available for whatever reason. Maybe it's their own pain mm-hmm. that they're going through. But I know that, that you work with clients who are needing some extra guidance in this process, needing some help. Could you tell us a little bit more about the work that you do with clients? And obviously without you know saying names, but if you could share some of what those experiences are like, I think it might help us get a better feel for the kind of work that you do and how, you know, if we're needing some support, how we might get your help. Yeah, no, um, I do do a lot of healing. I just hold space for my clients. I let them talk about their emotions. I give them that support that I act as that rock at the time as a foundation for them to come to, especially in times where they feel like they don't have anybody to go to. So that's kind of the role I feel is to really give them some some words of wisdom and try to channel some words of wisdom. A lot of the time I can really, I'm familiar with the, the energy that they come and bring to me because I've experienced a lot of hardships myself. And and I know that there's times where, you know, you can't really rely on other people and you do feel alone. And so that's why I talk about in my book, all the, the important things that you can apply while you're, you're alone and you have nobody else here. You can do this. You can try that. You can do this, you know, but if it comes down to that, I do think it's important to have somebody that you can talk to or release your pain is what, what I do. I really give them space to just kind of hold and let them release that pain. And we do a lot of exploration. We do a lot of 
talking about like getting to the root of the issue. I do a lot of assessing just to kind of see what they've been through to get an understanding. Um, sometimes it'll just be like their situation that they're currently in. It really just depends on what the client needs or wants at the time. And it's just, I have no idea like when I'm about to help a client, what's, what's in store for me. All I do is just set the intent to help them. And then I go from there. I just kind of trust, I trust myself, you know, with, whereas before I took my healing journey, I really didn't know what the heck <laughs> was going on. I mean, I had mounds of education, but really what I learned most was from my own healing journey that I took myself. And I'm really glad I did because now I can better connect with the clients who come to me for help. And most of the time, you know, there's different clients different situations. Mostly it has to do with unhealthy, toxic relationships that they've been in, um, helping them heal from that and just release that and finding closure uh, from themselves. It could be somebody who experienced a lot of emotional abuse in the beginning stages of their life. I've had people who've had eating disorders. I've seen people who've had experienced PTSD, depression, things like that because of an accident that happened to them five years ago, or it just all depends. It's different walks of life, but I really enjoy what I do. And I feel like I have helped a lot of of people and if anything, planted some seeds there and just kind of did my best to, to give them words of wisdom. I cannot fix them. You know, I wish I could. There are times where I'm so biased and I have to put that aside because I know that they've been treated bad by somebody. And I'm just like, Oh, why? How could they do that to her? But I have to like let that go and just kind of be neutral and show compassion and give them an understanding that it's not their fault and it's you know they're they're being inflicted by this because that's a cycle and that's their wounds that they're operating from and and just do my best to to be there for them and just provide explanation and clarity to them while holding space for them. Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, I do want to ask you some other. We have. Uh, some other questions about the actual the audiobook process. But before we jump into that, I just would like to take a moment. So if, if someone would like to, a listener would like to connect with you, how would they best find you online so that they could get your help if they'd like it or find out what's coming up next for you? Yeah, uh, you can go to my website, analytichealer.com. I also have a Facebook. It's an, at Analytic Healer. And my Instagram is at analytic killer as well. You can reach me through those those places. Um, I also have a uh, where you can book a client session on my site, analytichealer.com. So I check my emails regularly and I check my messages regularly. So if you need to reach out to me or you have a question and you just want to connect with me, uh, that's the best way you can reach me for sure. Great. Thank you. Let's take a short pause and we'll come back to continue our conversation with Brianna Fitzgerald. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working with authors who have a big goal in mind. They really want to reach out to their audience around the world. We're here to help make that happen. It starts with our pre-production process, where we're evaluating and determining what elements of the audiobook we can leverage to both create an excellent listener experience for your listeners, as well as drawing them to your website to engage with you further. It continues on through the production process, making decisions that will enhance and support your big goals, as well as creating a great listener experience. But we don't stop there. 
Once the audiobook is live, we move on to helping you market your audiobook with the Audiobook Marketing Program. Come check us out at ProAudioVoices.com. To schedule a call to talk about your audiobook project, click on Get Started. Okay, now I want to ask you a little bit about this, the audiobook process. We do have many listeners to our podcast who are authors, many of whom are in that place where they haven't yet decided whether they're going to do an audiobook or they're they're figuring out the production process. Could you share a little bit about, first of all, I think the decision for you when you decided that you wanted to have your book in audio, what was your what was your goal around that? What were the deciding factors for you? Yeah, of course. So I had no idea that what I was doing was going to turn into a book initially. <laughs> just to backtrack, I didn't expect this to be a book. I would just like sit down and whenever I felt the urge to write, write every week. <laughs> and then next thing you know, it turned into chapters. And next thing you know, I had a whole book. So once I had published it, I just, what I really wanted was it to have a voice so that somebody can really put emotion in it and for it to be this book to be instantly available for people who are not patient enough to wait for the book in the mail. And I just think that it would be such an experience to really have somebody speak of the words that I've written. And I thought that it could also reach more people and help more people in that way. So that's whenever I decided maybe I should just expand this and go ahead and go forth and, and make it an audiobook. And I'm really glad that I did because the experience has been really wonderful. I mean, I got to pick who who got to speak, um, the the voice. And that was really fun to be able to select uh, the selection process. I remember uh, the voice that I chose, Samantha, it was the first one I heard. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. And I kept going back to her like eight or nine times. So it's just been a really fun process. And I'm really excited to see it grow and continue. Um, I've learned a lot. I've gained a lot throughout this process. I never imagined that that I would take it to this extent to have an audiobook. So I'm really grateful that it's more reachable to a wider array of audiences. Also, um, personally, I love audiobooks um, because sometimes I'm too lazy to <laughs> to read it myself. It's so much easier just to kind of like relax and listen to a book and let somebody read for me. <laughs> it's more efficient that way. So I figured I could provide that to uh, readers as well as a way of listening. So basically, I just wanted to get with the times and do what I like to to do. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's great. And, you know, I mean, I think for for many listeners of audiobooks, (laughs) I just want to honor you in saying that I don't think it's laziness, you know, because it's just a different experience. And certainly, you know, it allows us to to have that. The the listening experience can be very relaxed and enjoyable. And especially in a, with a book about healing, <laughs> you know. But as you were listening to the words coming to life, you know, when Samantha Cooper, uh, your narrator, when as you were listening to the book when it was finished, what was that experience like for you? Oh, it was like probably one of the best experiences ever. It was as if I wrote the lyrics and somebody was singing the song. And it was just so exciting every time I listened to a chapter. I think my favorite part of the entire experience was like revising and editing. 
And it was just unbelievable to me. Like, and, and just the way she pronounced things and she just did such a wonderful, amazing, perfect, great job. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't choose anyone better because I just lit up um, every time I would hear her <laughs> speak on the words that I written. So yeah, it, it's just magical. Um, it was definitely an exciting process for sure. And like every time I, I would hear a new chapter. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is, this is real. It's happening. <laughs> that's great. It's a very exciting feeling. Very, that's great. Uh, just one last question. I know that uh, you have continued on in the, into the Pro Audio Voices audiobook marketing program. And if you could just share, like, what's for you has been the biggest value of that program so far? And I know you're still fairly new in getting started in there, but what's been that biggest value so far? I think the biggest value for me so far is definitely the blueprint I received because it gave me more of an idea of what to do step by step to really work on promoting my book and also my website. And I think that the, the corrections suggested to me and all the suggestive ideas on algorithms and call to action was definitely huge for me. It's been very effective. So I think that that's what the value what I valued the most, but also having that support and knowing like if I have any questions or I need answers or I need to, you know, try something, I know who to reach out to and who to contact. So I'm really grateful for all the help that you guys have given me. I think I just value all of it. Thank you. (laughs) Everything that you guys have provided to me. It's been such a a, a huge help for me. Thank you. So glad that we can be of service. Well, I want to thank you again. Uh, just just once again, this is Brianna Fitzgerald, author of The Road to Healing, Healing Methods to Assist You with Living Your Best Life. Uh, it's been narrated by Samantha Cooper, produced by Pro Audio Voices, and is available at your favorite audiobook retailer. Let's take a moment to listen to a sample of The Road to Healing by Brianna Fitzgerald. An unwanted visitor greeted me when I woke up one morning. This visitor was all too familiar to me. So who was this uninvited, soliciting visitor that swiftly came to interrupt my morning? Why, it was discouragement, of course. Discouragement began to have a conversation with me, and it wasn't a fun one. What's the point of even doing this anymore? You get up early and you work all day and all night. What are you doing that for? Where is the result? Not here. Maybe it's because it won't pay off. It's not paying off now, so why bother? Discouragement can be quite counterproductive. There we were this morning, my discouragement and I. It was just the two of us. I hadn't even had my coffee yet. Once I realized what was happening, I quickly put on my metaphorical boxing gloves and proceeded to fight back. Don't listen to this negativity, I told myself. Get your butt up and get to work. It's all going to pay off. It takes time, but it will happen. You know that. Now get up. How to get rid of discouragement. Here is how I combated my discouragement. And here is how you can give discouragement the boot should it decide to visit you. I became aware of what was going on. I had to catch myself. Whoa, I thought. I am feeling very negative this morning. 
Sure, it took me a while to recognize what was going on, but I recognized it within the first hour of my morning, and that is much better than dwelling the entire day. Thanks so much, Brianna, for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.